All right, we are studying through a series of lessons on salvation. And uh, I know I said this at the opening, but I want to just say it one more time that I, I recognize as I look around the room that all of us have quite a history with this particular subject. And I'm not likely, as far as the basics are concerned, I'm not likely to share anything new with y'all. I get that. And so I'm trying really hard as I approach this subject, I'm trying to look at it from a, di a direction of not just what do we need to do to be saved, we'll see some of those basics here later on, but a little more mature uh, standpoint as to, okay, uh, why or how do I share this with my neighbor? Uh, what are some of the, the things that uh, are important for us to discuss with regards to salvation that are maybe a little, like say, a little bit on the more mature side? And the first three lessons, we, we talked about reasons why you don't need to be saved. Now, I'm not suggesting you don't need to be saved. I'm just saying that those aren't the reasons. Um, and the idea of original sin, that uh, you somehow are an evil person because you inherited the guilt of, of Adam, that's just not biblical, etc. We, we talked a lot of those things through. Uh, last time was on predestination, tough subject. I gave you that handout. Hopefully that you were able to uh, maybe study a little bit more on your own as you went home. I want to, as I'm looking at this in four different segments, the first of which is why do I need to be saved? In this lesson, I want to start looking more from the standpoint of not why, why not, but from why do I need to be saved? What is the, the reason for my salvation? And again, I, I'm not going to approach it from the direction I, that you would expect me to. Um, I want to look at it from a little bit of a different angle because uh, we, we need to be people who take this particular series, this subject as serious as any subject that uh, you encounter. It was very important to me years ago when I was living in Pennsylvania, it was very important for me to get my driver's license. And so I studied hard and I practiced, etc. And I got that driver's license uh, uh, in the middle of the winter. Winter, My birthday's in the middle of February and uh, at the end of February. And so, you know, it, it, was, it was important to me. And so I did that. And then, you know, as I came towards the end of high school, I wanted that diploma and I studied hard and then I went off to college and I wanted to graduate with honors. And so I studied hard and all those things are important. Don't get me wrong, but there is no subject as important as to where will I spend eternity. Uh, that, that is huge, or it should be huge on our list. However, I would like to up the ante, if you will, and suggest to you that it's even more important than where will I spend eternity. When you and I look at the cross, as we've just done with communion service, or we discuss hell and uh, those Sermons are few and far between today, it seems. But uh, as we discuss eternal damnation, those kind of things, we begin to assess why this is even an important topic to me. And I'd like to take you through at least four tiers of, uh, I guess maybe five tiers, as to why people want to go to heaven or why people want to be saved. Let's go with that. Uh, why, if you were to ask them, well, just a random person on the street, you know, do you think you need to be saved? Probably most of them would say yes, but why would they want that? I think the most immature reason for wanting to be saved, or at least among the most immature reasons for wanting to be saved, is just because I got caught, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm caught, so I, you know, I want to, I want relief from that. We see a lot of folks in our judicial system are that way. They, they come before the judge and they're not really showing remorse. It's just, I got caught. If I hadn't got caught, I wouldn't be sorry, but I got caught. So, you know, I've counseled several men over the years in my ministry whose wives gave them an ultimatum. 
Uh, they had been unfaithful. And uh, the wives said, look, either you get into church and get your life right, or we're getting a divorce. And I've watched some of these men, actually seen some of these men who, who others have baptized. I wouldn't baptize somebody in that situation, but I've seen others get baptized and admit that the reason they're getting baptized is because my, my wife wants me to get baptized. Uh, it's just the wrong reason. They got caught. And so they want to get saved. As you move further into a maybe a little bit better maturity realm, why do you want to get saved? I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be punished. I don't want to spend eternity away from, eh, probably, some folks don't even think of it that way. It's not that they don't want to spend eternity away from God. It's just that they don't want to suffer. That's not a very mature reason to want to be saved either. I appreciate that as a beginning point. And I have to be honest with you, when I was baptized many years ago in South Williamsport, Pennsylvania, uh, I, I remember that night uh, there was a, a, a storm, flood-like conditions, lightning, thunder booming. The guy preached on hell. I was scared to death. When the invitation song started, I couldn't wait to get up the aisle. And uh, that night my father baptized me. And, and I was thrilled for that opportunity to, to come to the Lord. But I was scared to death. Uh, I, I didn't want to go to hell. Honestly, at that point in my life, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure I really, I know I didn't fully appreciate what I really needed to do as far as a relationship with Jesus was concerned. And so that kind of leads me to my next one. Um, why do you want to be saved? Some folks just want to be saved because they want to hear, well done. Yeah, I want the pat on the back. Um, sometimes it's a vindication thing. Someday I'm going to stand before God and you're going to see He's going to approve of me. He's going to say, well done, now good and faithful servant. I'm going to get to spend eternity with heaven, with God in heaven. Or maybe it's just from that standpoint. I want to see heaven. I want to be in glory, you know. And, and it's not, you've moved a little bit beyond the I don't want to go to hell to the, to the point of, but I, I do want to have a, a good eternity. And so I want to go to heaven. And that's a little bit more mature, I suppose, but it's still not very mature. And then there are those, and this is where we begin to get into what I think would be the more mature realm. There are those who want to be saved because they love Jesus. I appreciate that level of maturity. I, I really do. I think I can go one better. Uh, one, I don't know about better, but one, one above that. But I really appreciate that level that... Uh, I think in my mind's eye of the stories that I've been hearing about Jesus and what he did for me. And I know I'm a wretch and I, I'm a pitiful sinner and yet he still loves me. And God would leave heaven to come down here and dwell among us so that I could be saved. That, that's pretty big. And I know that I need salvation. Not just because I don't want to burn forever in hell, but because I just love Jesus. And I appreciate what he has done for me. That's a pretty good level of maturity. In fact, I would suggest to you that probably the majority of individuals that I am around with regards to Christendom, they would probably claim that one as the reason they want to be saved. But like I said, I think there's one higher than that yet. And the reason I go here is because I want to remind you of the ministry of Jesus. And I want to remind you that when, whenever given the opportunity, Jesus never took the glory upon himself. Did you ever notice that? He always deflected the glory to his father. Always did that. 
Now, we are aware that uh, it, it was said there towards the end of his ministry that now all authority has been given unto me on heaven and earth. And so Jesus has now gotten back to a spot in glory where he is with the Father, stands at the right hand, all of those things. But I'm, I'm still thinking that even today that Jesus has in his heart of hearts to make sure my Father gets the glory. And I would suggest to you that maybe the highest level of reason for wanting to be saved is the holiness of God. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, it tells us that God is holy and that because he's holy, we should be holy. But then there's a really odd passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 10, that it's dealing with women, head coverings, all of those kind of things. Not that I completely understand this passage, I'll be honest with you. But... The fact that this statement is going to be made lends us to a conclusion. As he comes through the discussion of the hierarchy, if you will, there's God, Jesus, man, woman, and by implication then child, he talks about head coverings and that a woman should have a head covering, that the wives should, should have these. And, and we've debated even within our fellowship, what does that mean? Is it Talking about hair, is it talking about having a little doily thing on your head? You know, what's it even mean? And I'm not sure that any of us really fully know. But within that context, verse 10, he makes this odd statement. He says, they need to have a head covering for the sake of the angels. For the, Why do the angels need to see women have a head covering? What does that have to do with anything? I don't know fully. I've got my opinion and I'd share those with you later, but it's not really part of the topic today. I just want to draw your attention to the fact that the angels are watching. There is something about that realm, the realm you and I don't even see, that is observing what's going on in this realm. And because of that, God's, if you will, reputation is somewhat on the line. There are those out there, depending upon us in here, to make sure we get it right so that God gets the glory. So that Satan doesn't have another opportunity to laugh and to say, aha, I got another one. And so I would suggest to you that maybe the most mature reason to desire salvation is just simply because God's holiness depends upon it. It depends upon you and I getting it right. Another passage I could point to is Titus chapter 2 and verse 5. That passage talks about older women teaching younger women to do various things. But at the end of that passage, the end of verse 5, it says this, so that the word of God will not be maligned. We as a people, a created being in the image of God, have the responsibility of making sure that his holiness is obvious. And friends, it's not in the world today. It just is not. I think that the obviousness is there, but it's not being recognized by the world. And so I want to take you this morning real quickly to three quick points out of Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, we're entering the ending of the Sermon on the Mount. Phenomenal lesson that Jesus is going to give. And uh, back in the day, Cindy homeschooled both of our boys. And, and during the Bible class period of her homeschooling, Cindy 
required both of the boys to memorize all three chapters of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. They had to memorize the whole thing. I don't know whether Gabriel can still do it or not. Maybe one day we'll just put him on the spot and make him come up here and try. But uh, they had to memorize all, all the verses. And uh, it's, it's, if you're going to memorize something, I'm not sure you can do any better than the Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus himself. But as you come to the end of this marvelous sermon, some have said it's the most practical words in all the Bible. But as you come to the end of this marvelous sermon, it's as if Jesus transitions into his invitation. You know how preachers do when they, they, they kind of build to a climax and then they're, they're intending to get you to that spot where now we're going to sing the invitation song. Anybody need to come forward? All right. And, 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 well, that's kind of what Jesus is doing here. Although we're not going to have an invitation song, it's like Jesus is wrapping it up. He's coming to a point of application. I talked to my boy yesterday. He's actually at Boydsville. Gabriel is actually preaching through the Sermon on the Mount. And as we were talking about this last night, driving him down the road, he made that point. He said that this part is where Jesus makes application. This is the stuff where he is not just giving you principles, but he's saying, here's why you need to get the principles into your life. Well, there are three things that happen in the closing part of the Sermon on the Mount that I think are profound with regards to why you need to be saved. Why we need to have the holiness of God within us. The first thing that you're going to see, actually verse 1 and 2 are actually going to come from verse 14 of chapter 7. I'm going to start back at verse 13, but Matthew 7 verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. So most folks are going that direction. Jesus is going to be very plain in this passage to say, most folks are not going to heaven. Most folks are not going to be saved. And if that's true, then you and I need to, I think, increase our passion for wanting to do what is right. Then you notice verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And then there's this statement, and those who find it are few. Or few there be that find it, as I did my memorization in the King James. There's two things there that I want to, I want to point out with regards to the holiness of God. And the first one is that word few. Evidently, there's only a few folks that are holy, according to the passage. Because you can't be holy if you don't find it, if you're not with the Lord, if you're not on the right path, if you haven't had that salvation experience. And so there's only a few. And the reason I feel that that's significant enough to make as my point with regards to why do we need to be saved is because the glory of God, the holiness of God, is not shining with as many lights on the hill as it could be. Imagine a God who loves us so much that he doesn't just create us, he becomes one of us, and then allows himself to be killed at the hands of the created, and then post-salvation cross weekend, there's only a few candles being lit around the world. The lamps, as Jesus will say, that were not to hide under a bushel. And yet so many are. Christians who should be shining brightly, but instead have a very dim candle lit, if there is such a thing. But then back it on further, because most of us aren't even Christian. Most of the folks who claim to be Christian aren't even Christian. So you see how we're narrowing the numbers down. Even when you narrow it down to some of the most faithful people that you have ever encountered in your life, you've got to ask how much of their life really was dedicated to the holiness of God. There's only a few. 
few candles around the world that are shining the holiness of God. Number two, we need to be saved, not just because there's a few, but there's only a few that find it. Meaning, there's just a few, but there's just a few who are even searching. Most folks aren't even paying attention. We passed half a dozen church buildings on the way to Marmaduke each Sunday morning. And, you know, I look at the parking lots and some of them have quite a few cars in them. Some of them have two or three cars in them, you know, those kind of things. But you begin to, you begin to process and you begin to wonder and, and you begin to think, if that's all in Northeast Arkansas, the buckle of the Bible belt, if that's all the folks who are really focusing on God this morning, we're in the minority, and yet you know as well as I do that most of those church buildings that I'm passing on the way to this one are not faithful to the truth. They're not even really reflecting the true holiness of God. Few are even looking or even making an attempt to give God his holiness. And then I take you to what is, for me, the most Scary passage in all the Bible. I've mentioned this one to you before, but and I, I think you would agree with me as I get there. that I, This is frightening. When you get down to verse 21, same chapter, the third point is, is simply that not only is there just a few that are even trying, these few that are even trying are in amongst them there's a lot of them who are only trying because of what they want, not because of what God truly says. I go back to all the church buildings I pass on the way here, and many of whom represent false doctrines and things that are not of God, etc., that kind of thing. Most of those false doctrines came about because people were seeking what they thought God wanted, not what God wanted. Come down to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. Circle that in your Bible. Does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Good folks. By our estimation, I never cast out a demon, you. I've never prophesied in a miraculous sense. Have you? These are good people. These are the folks you would say are the cream of the crop of religious folks. I mean, these folks are something else. And they're lost. I mean, read the last words again. It's pretty clear they're lost. These are folks who are standing before God on the last day expecting to hear well done, but instead they hear, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. But, but, but Lord, we did this, we did that, we did the other. What's the problem? Verse 21, they didn't do the will of the Father. They did a lot of good stuff, don't get me wrong. They were basically good moral people. Read the list again. And they did all this stuff in his name. They were even doing it supposedly by the right authority. But they weren't doing what God said to. God said that you should confess me 
Confess your sins. Repent of those sins. Be baptized through immersion into my son Jesus. And I will lift you out of that watery grave to a new life. They said, just bow your head and repeat after me as I say the sinner's prayer. Sounds good. Sinner's prayer sounds holy. Sinner's prayer sounds pretty religious to me. But it'll get you a hot spot in hell according to Matthew 7, verse 23. Because it's not the will of the Father. Will of the Father, you can't find the sinner's prayer in the, in the scriptures. Will of the Father never said, this is the route to me. Just say the sinner's prayer. It sounds good to you. It sounds good to me. It sounds good to religiosity, but it don't sound good to God. So as I come to my third point, I would suggest to you that there's a few that are even trying. And even among them, most are trying for the wrong reason. They're trying because of what they think God needs, what they think God wants, what they think God should have. Not what God says he wants, thinks, and desires. I said in my opening that uh, there are a few hellfire and damnation sermons that are preached these days in our fellowship, and that's true. That is very true. I have been across the nation in many of our fellowships and spoken at many of them, and I can tell you, from my experience, there are very few pulpits. Rarely do they mention the hellfire that is to come. In fact, one of the bigger debates that I have at times with some of my own preacher buddies is whether or not hell is even eternal. Oh yeah, we got folks in our own fellowship that don't believe that hell is eternal. So let me end with a hellfire and damnation moment. The ones who will spend eternity with the Lord are the ones who are working overtime in their faith to confirm their calling and their election by giving God all that they can so that they shine his holiness in the world. Simple church attendance does not get you there. Making sure that you get communion every Sunday doesn't just get you there. Memorizing verses out of the Bible doesn't get you there. All of those things are good. But at the end of the day, you've got to ask yourself, in my heart of hearts, Matthew 7, verse 21, do I want what the Father wants? Am I doing what the Father has said do? So I take you back to that little list of maturity levels. Some folks want to get saved because they got caught. Some folks want to get saved because they just don't want to go to hell. Some folks want to get saved because they want to hear the well done, now good and faithful servant. Some folks want to get saved because they love Jesus. I want this group to desire salvation because of the holiness of God. He deserves for your candlestick to be high. And the flame on your candle to glow brightly. He deserves to have 
you shine as brightly as possible because there are so few that are even searching. And of that number, most of them are doing it for their own purposes, not because God said he wanted this or that or the other done. Let us redouble our efforts this morning to make sure that our salvation is secure because we are pursuing the ultimate glory and holiness of God.